This podcast is different than previous ones because we are using a screen to explain a very important uh, decision that we're walking through right now, uh, which is which, which translation are we going to be using for our preaching and teaching. And so uh, it'll be myself, Jim, and Ryan, uh, one of our discipleship pastors, walking through three different translations, explaining translation theory. Um, it is a very different format. It's longer. Uh, than our usual uh, podcast format is. Um, We really hope that you're watching this and not just listening to it. But ultimately, I guess our our desire and our prayer uh, is that we're going to be able to lead you through this um, so that you might know God and love his word even more. I hope you enjoy it. So we uh, formally apologize to those of you that only listen to this because um, if you're listening right now, you're not seeing something that's kind of important because uh, uh, right now in the studio, we are, uh, are, it's, it's me and Ryan and a, and a screen yes. and a computer. So we're going to be talking today <clears throat> um, about uh, translation work and how important it is. And the specific issue that we want to deal with is um, how do we choose a translation for the church? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's kind of important. I'll, I'll, a background that, uh, so for the majority of probably of us, Maybe not. I'd be curious number to how many people have been here longer than me. Um, I've, been, I've been here 15 years. You've been here? On staff, six. But before that, three. So almost 10 years. Almost 10 years. And Steve, you've been here since 2006, right? Yeah, so Steve's, Steve and Patty and uh, been here for since 2006. Um, and so when Steve got here, when I got here, uh, it was still using the NIV translation, which... Um, I don't know the history of this church. I don't know if it ever used the King James Version, but that was kind of a real popular version for a mm-hmm. long time. Um, the NIV translation comes out in 1978. Eight, but the one that most people use is 1984. 84, so it was revised in 1984, like, and, it, and it just kept the name. Yeah, um, That's actually built into their, their philosophy, is we will constantly update this every 15-ish years. And so they're not wanting to rename it. And so it's still the NIV. It's still the NIV. I remember kind of reading an NIV and listening to a guy preaching from an NIV, and it was different. And I'm like, what's going on? It's like, oh, I have a 78 version of it. And so they've changed the word order or they've changed a, the translation of a word or something like that. Um, and so I don't, I don't know if this, church, if this congregation ever really struggled in a, in a move from the KJV to the NIV or if it always had the NIV. Um, but uh, when we started the Nehemiah series, Steve and I were talking about this. When we started the Nehemiah series, we switched to a translation that I was using quite a bit just in my reading, not in my study, but more in my reading, which was the NLT, the New Living Translation, mm-hmm. um, uh, for its readability. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was really convinced at the time um, and was able to kind of share that decision with with the elders and with everybody else that, hey, I'd like to go to something that is very readable. Mm-hmm. And people love that. People love being able to read the text well. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we did that for a long time. And then about five, six years ago, we decided to switch. And uh, probably were a little more formal about it. You were on staff at that mm-hmm. time, Ryan. Yeah. And I remember being involved in conversations, asking questions regarding... Um, Man, why do we want to make a move? Why do we want to move towards a translation that is less readable? <laughs> yeah, and unapologetically so. And unapologetically so. And so that was kind of an interesting move. So we moved from the NIV to the NLT because it's more readable. 
-hmm. and then we move from the NLT to the ESV, not because it is less readable, but we're willing to give up readability Mm-hmm. So that we might, uh, uh, so that we might have a translation that we're using, particularly in our preaching and our teaching. Yeah, which is very connected to how we preach and teach. We preach expositionally. We go straight through the text. We we when we teach, we do a lot of word studies and grammatical studies, and so the NLT just isn't conducive to that. The ESV more aligned with how we engage scripture here in the church. Yeah. So. For those of you that just wonder, like, man, why are we always switching translations? And uh, and and the answer is, is that if you if you really want a translation to work with, so I'll I'll recommend one, and then you can decide whether or not you want it. Um, I recommend this one here that is on the screen. This is the Nestle and Alond twenty seven. The twenty eight is out. I think the twenty nine might be out. But really, this is so. These are different editions of the of the critical Greek text. Um, and so if I could pick one. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, kind of theoretically, because I really I wouldn't pick this one. Sure. But if I could theoretically pick one, if we want to kind of stay with one, this is the one to actually pick. Um, and I promise you that if you're looking at the screen right now and you're seeing this, you're you're going, OK, but the problem is I can't read it. Yeah. Like, I don't know what that says. And I'm saying, no, I totally get that. That's kind of why I mean, uh, that's it's that's why we have to have a translation. Mm-hmm. So this is a critical edition of what they believe the Nestle Alonde editors what they believe is the most uh, accurate depiction of what John would have written minus chapter and verses, right? Those Mm -hmm. have obviously been added. But other than that, um, and actually capital letters. And spaces. (laughs) And spaces. (laughs) A lot has changed, right? I mean, that's even interesting. Even paragraphing Uh, sometimes assumed. Punctuation. Yeah. So a lot of those things have been added from the original text. Most likely John did not have any of those things. Uh, well, I know he didn't have almost all of that. Um, so w- this is what, if we really want to go back to something and say, hey, let's just be accurate. Yeah. This is it. This is the most accurate thing that we could come up with um, that would that This would, is the closest depict. you could get to a legitimately inerrant Bible. Yeah. Do you, we want this? No. No. We really don't want this. Um, and so literally we switched to the ESV six years ago. Mm-hmm. Why? The ESV translates um, its New Testament from this, and it strives to retain word order and direct word-for-word translation in as much as that's possible from Greek into English. And it says that there's even, even the way that John arranged the sentences we believe is inspired. And so we're going to try to preserve that arrangement in the English. And is it going to be choppy? Yes. But is it worth mo- like drudgery and, and going through? Yes. That's the ESV's translation. It's it's a formal, uh, is it formal equivalence? It's formal equivalence. That's there versus the NIV, which would be a dynamic, dynamic equivalence. equivalence. Yeah. So more thought for thought, and ESV is more word for word as it translates from I.e. more formal. Yeah. That's kind of where they're coming from. Um, and so since this is not advantageous for the average person, I, when I was teaching at the college, I would always have our students, my students in, in my interpretation class, say, and it was always a question on every test, of like, if I do not know the original languages, I will always work at a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and by the way, I mean, I know that can be frustrating. I get it. I've had a lot of people say, why would God do that? 
And I'm like, you mean have people in other languages? Okay, well, let's turn in our Bibles to Genesis 12. and I'll re- Or uh, Genesis, <laughs> is it 11? It's the Tower of Babel, Genesis yeah. 11. And so we can go there and find out in terms of like why or how that's happening. Yeah. But the reason why it's in another language is because this is the language that the New Testament was written in so that the people could understand it at their time. And it was actually his kindness because this was something of a universal language at the time. Yeah. So... Yeah, and this here is, is, if you're curious, is known as Koine Greek, uh, and Koine is just the word for common street Greek. Street Greek, yeah. and so it's it's been very interesting when I and I hear people describe the beauty of the King James. Now that's an old conversation, so I'm old enough now to remember people talking about the beauty of that language. Um, I want to ask them, what do you mean by the beauty of the, oh, the formality of it, mm-hmm. and just you know, because God is formal, and I just say it's it's very interesting that. You have to lose that concept as you go back historically and realize that when Luther translates into the German, it's in the vernacular of the people um, because he wants the people to know it. Um, so this has always been like a translational theory that 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 uh, that good translators have had, and even in the original, as the gospel is being presented um, and 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 uh, written down, it's being written down not in classical Greek, which was available at the time. It was available, but we're not going to use it. We want the average person to to be able to read it and yeah. to understand it. So, you know, it's interesting that that would be something that is of, of high value. Mm-hmm. Um, so why are we looking at this right now? Like why, you know, what's kind of going on around us? And, and one of it is, is kind of an addition of, uh, an addition of uh, two new-ish things, mm-hmm. um, two new translations. And so that's, you know, five or six years ago, we weren't c- comparing the ESV with these other ones because they hadn't been put out. I don't think had been put the out. The NIV had probably been put out, but okay. it wasn't, it did not catch on as quickly as the ESV was was not taking the American evangelical world by storm, and it really put a kind of put the Holman Christian Standard Bible, which was also coming out at the time, um, backpedaling a little bit, and the ESV kind of won the market, so to speak, if we can talk business terms. Yeah, and it won the market because a lot of preachers were going back to a more formal. Uh, intentional teaching, verse by verse, word by word, uh, you, you know, a Bible teaching in the in the sermons, as opposed to merely just offering great illustrations yeah. and um, really insightful insights. I mean, you, you you can preach and be really insightful. You can preach and be very teaching oriented. Uh, you know, this word means this and this word means this. And it, there's always been a debate in terms of in our preaching and teaching. And, and it's good to have both, right? It's good to have inspiration, but it's good to have accuracy. And so in the same way that a Bible translation needs accuracy and readability, a good sermon has accuracy and listenability. Mm-hmm. Um and so, you know, why are we looking at this now? And one of it is, is just because we, we believe it could be time for us to look at uh, this. We've had it for a number of years. Um, and uh, uh, the ESV, as good as it is and as helpful it, as, as it has been. Um, uh, and it's interesting because I actually have in my office the last Bible that my father was able to read before he uh, lost his eyesight mm-hmm. and all of his underlining in it. And it's an ESV. I bought it for him. And he read it, and it was the last one he was able to do, and he kind of highlighted it, and then he gave it back to me. He said, hey, I won't be able to read this anymore. <laughs> and I uh, thought that was really kind of cool. Yeah. And so I'm going to keep that, right? I'm gonna, and I'm going to continue to use the ESV. 
Um, but what we're asking is, is that as a congregation, and uh, you know, I'd love, I'd love to have the congregation occasionally raise their hands. But I would love to know. We really want feedback on this podcast. Like this is, you know, the different dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we, we really want to know what you think. Um, in in the sense of, we we want to know how much you have been maybe even frustrated or put off yeah. a little bit by the ESV. We'd love to hear from you in terms of that, um, or if it's like, oh no, I was able to. I mean, as as much as I usually don't talk that way, it's not confusing yeah. that it changes yeah. the word order. Another thing that uh, you know makes me want to evaluate it, and you know, I even said before this podcast, like I have not made up my mind what should we do, and it's not like it's my decision, but I have, I don't know, I don't know yet. Should we remain with the ESV as our main preaching and teaching yep. Bible? Should we go to the CSB, which we haven't talked about yet, or the 2011 NIV, or? If we could have this podcast a year from now, a new NRSV is coming out. They're okay. they're wrapping up that new translation. Okay. Um, but what I uh, 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 something that's really come to to the fore for me is as much as I love the ESV and and I can work with this kind of stuff yeah. in the ESV. Yep. So I don't even where the ESV is frustrating. I can I can deal with it. But when now that our our worship service, we've committed ourselves to more of a public reading of scripture, <laughs> yeah, where we, we read through the text beforehand, and I am hearing it read in enormous chunks. I I've grown much more sensitive to how wooden the ESV is, yeah. and how and by wooden he's describing the formality of it. Yes, it just seems stodgy. Right? It does, and yeah. and you know when we're gonna we're preaching through thirty forty verses this Sunday or whatever. To hear Tom Smith, great reader as he is, work through that, I'm just looking around thinking, I think this is hard to to hear an entire flow of thought for an extended period of time yeah. because of the language, the because of the English construction that they've chosen to adopt, which is very accurate, yeah. but it comes at a cost. A real recent one was... Um I think it was Melissa Oliver was reading the text in the in, in the morning, and I had never really noticed that uh, uh, the the church conducted Paul. Yeah, and like conducted. What do you mean conduct? Oh, that's what they mean. Like they escorted. escorted. Yeah, okay, we can yeah, look at that. We, we, we never conduct yeah. people. I didn't conduct Andrea to the doctor's office this morning. I mean, that's just not a word that we use. Um, and so a lot of people, even when they hear the word ESV, let's be intentional uh, or more explanatory, that English is not the language. It's more of the 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 kind of the the nation. Yeah, it's it's British yeah. heritage. Yeah. That's that's it it comes uh, in terms of its its lineage, it comes from King James um, and the RSV, those those textual or translation families kind of blended. So the Revised Standard Version, um, which was very early 1900s. Yeah. And uh, the ESV is like the descendant of that. So the King James is the ESV's grandpa in terms of translation philosophies. And yeah. Stuff. Translation philosophy, the, 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 the specific text that they're using to translate from is a little different. Um, and we're not going to go into that in this podcast, but we will. We're actually putting out a series. Um, hopefully it'll be out sometime this fall that we kind of began in Israel uh, talking about how we got the Bible. And yeah. we'll kind of unpack that a lot more. But right now we're just kind of looking at um, at the most surface level, the level that uh, when you walk in on a Sunday morning or when you're uh, and I hope that you're preparing to hear the word of God being taught over you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're reading it during the week that kind of stuff. What, what translation should I use? Yeah. So that, that kind of a question. So, so that's the reason why we're unpacking it now. I mean, it's, uh, 
Uh, we, we've got this act series that we're finishing up, and so we really want to take a long run at this. I mean, um, it's not something that even Jim and Ryan are going to decide at all. We've already had this conversation. We had a long conversation on it in our staff meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of fun looking around the room and kind of seeing some people like, why are we doing this? Yeah. Um, and, and getting that. I've already talked to my life group about it. Hey, what do you guys think of this? Mm-hmm. And I, I had them take a straw straw vote on on what it was uh, uh, what their thoughts were. Um, did the same thing in Bible study that I do on Tuesday mornings. Hey, what do you guys think about this? So, you know, we're wanting to walk through it, but in the end, it'll be a decision that the elders yep. formally adopt. And so uh, we're, we're just trying to put the information out there so that everybody can begin to think about it, um, even kind of pray through it. And I guess one of the things that we're really wanting to do in this podcast is to shape people's attitudes yeah. about translations and the Bible that they have or the Bibles mm-hmm. that they have. Yeah. Uh, to broaden to broaden our understanding and use of the Bible. As I've discussed this in certain contexts in the last month or so, and just kind of trying to feel people out, um, I've come to a, a number of uh, conclusions. One, most people have a, a pretty deep opinion on this. They have a favorite. <laughs> they have others that they don't like. Um, two, a lot of the reasoning that leads to that particular preference or rejection, um, I have problems with. Yeah. I, I think that it's 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 they're not standing on as sturdy ground as they believe when they say, "Well, this is so so superior to that," or "This is so much better." Why would we even? That's a terrible Bible. That's a that's a really reformed translation. I'm just like, you're you're hinting at truisms, yeah. but but yeah. we need to think about this a little uh, with just kind of. Take our hands off the table and just look at the facts, and that's what we're trying to do here. Yeah, I grew up with um, probably the King James at some level. It's weird because my dad was an NASV or NASB guy, New American Standard, um, and so I remember, like I can see it in my mind's eye, my dad's NASB. Um, trying to think what I had, it probably would have been. I remember having a Gideon's Bible. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Gideon's. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so there's there's those ideas that that or those translations that I had, um, but it's funny because if I go back and I remember those verses that I memorized, um, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us the, this day thy daily bread. Mm-hmm. So I mean, all of a sudden, I'm not. That's not the NASB. That's the King James. Yep. And so there's a lot of memorization for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So, I mean, I'm sticking in a translation there. Um, and even, you know, the John 3.16, the Lord's Prayer, those things. Uh, I probably wasn't even reading that as much as this is something that we were reciting, even though in my church I don't remember reciting it publicly. Mm-hmm. But, you know, these are the things that we keep hitting on and hearing and reading and yeah. getting. And, and as beautiful as that King James is, that was the... That was the street language at the time. Yeah, in 1611. <laughs> yeah, that, so that even that wasn't trying to be this high and lofty and beautiful thing, even though it seems that way to us, probably because it seems more Shakespearean than anything. Yeah, exactly. But it was, it was the common language. That, and th- there are a number of guys that died trying to make that happen, Yeah, to get the Bible out of Latin at the time and into English. And it's interesting because at that time, the the church was saying, hey, listen, we need to hold on to this translation, the Latin, mm-hmm. or we need to hold on to this translation. And wh- why are we? We're, go- we're going to lessen the word of God by putting it into the vernacular. And it's like, okay, whoa, 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 wait a second. That wasn't Paul's attitude. That wasn't John's attitude. That mm-hmm. wasn't even Luke's attitude. Um, they're, they're doing it more in a language that people can understand. And so it's amazing how, and we'll talk about this in a moment, it's amazing how we get stuck. Yeah. 
we do get and stuck. we don't want and again this is a little bit of a bygone era but we don't want to reduce the king james to something easier because we would lessen the word of god it's like hold on 400 500 years ago they were saying that about don't do this king james version thing <laughs> And so, you know, and that's that's one of the things I appreciate. I pulled all the so translations. staying four hundred years out of date is is is, is if optimal. If it was good enough for Paul, it's good enough for me. <laughs> so let's uh, let's 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 go to this the, to the slide, kind of showing the two great qualities of um, of of what a translation should be looking for. So, what are the qualities? If you said, "Man, this is a good translation," um, kind of walk us through some of these graphs and. Uh, who? Let's be honest. We're gonna. We're, we're not. We're not. We're still trying to figure this out. I think. I, yeah. I think we both have a bias. Mm-hmm. Um, but I hope for good reason. Yeah. Um, so let's just be honest and say, like, who's producing these graphs to yep. kind of help us know kind of where we're going from? So this particular graph was produced by the um, by the publishers of the Christian Standard Version, which would be um, Holman, I believe. Okay. Or Lifeway. Um, so here they put they put this this little chart on the far the farther you go to the left the more formal and word for word you get in terms of the translation the farther to the right the more dynamic and thought for thought you get so the most formal would be an interlinear Jim what is an interlinear an interlinear would be one that has the Greek text and then underneath every Greek word in order is its English counterpart yeah so it would be like this actually I could probably turn this into an interlinear nah, I don't have time but okay in yeah in beginning was the word and the word was uh was in or to it was was in uh sorry was with they translate that with was with the god yeah and the god was the word yeah so that would be an interlinear so underneath all of those words just be english English equivalent and the english word order doesn't make sense so here for example is a reverse inner actually let me do it here a reverse interlinear. This is maintaining the English word order and putting the Greek underneath. Underneath it. But that's not what this particular slide is showing. An interlinear would be the Greek text with word English words underneath. That's the most formal word for word version of the Bible you can get. And we would not preach from that. No. 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 And then all the way on the other side, complete dynamic thought for thought, not caring at all. About well, and I'll, let me say this real quick. Not everybody on staff would even be able to use that. The interlinear? Yeah, yeah like yeah. if we're going to be honest, as much as we love it, not everybody on staff. We have very capable and gifted pastors, um, but we don't have as a requirement. No, no, no. You can use helps to figure it out. Yeah. But, but even it's not even like it's it's pastor versus laity kind of no, situation. No. Like not a, even every pastor. I mean, I can't work with operate. it like you can. I think Justin is probably Our best. still the freshest on just being able to sit down with the text. Mac was until he yeah. left. Yeah. But, so. And that's just because he was. <laughs> now he's got to learn how to translate it into Polish. Polish. <laughs> he's not learning Greek was hard. So. There's that. Now, way over here on the completely dynamic thought for thought is Eugene Peterson's famous message translation, which is, I even joke that it's less of a translation and more a commentary. Yeah. And um, because it, it, and you're it, not meaning that negatively. No, I think it's beautiful. I when I I'll I'll even point this out when I'm sitting down to preach or to to study, because this is our our translation. That's what I start with. Um, and I have the Greek text next to it, not an interlinear, but the Greek text next to it. Um, and I will also read NIV, um, often NASB and usually either the NLT or the message. And I want, because I want to see 
Like Eugene Peterson is a gifted translator. Like he's not he's not just making this up. Yep. He's usually really good. Yeah. And so he this is helpful. This is helpful. That's helpful. These are these are more formal. And by the time I put all of those in front of me, I get a really good sense of what the text says. Yep. Eugene on the on the message at the top is really trying to almost convey the attitude, mm-hmm. which is hard to do. That's why it's more of a commentary, yeah. because it's really trying to convey a lot of the attitude of it. And these other translations are are trying to stay more with the word, yeah. and then with the word word translation, um, which will convey it. And then after additional study, you begin to understand the attitude. Yeah, and he's going, I'm going to skip that step. And instead of putting a commentary alongside your translation, I'm going to be more commentary-ish as he, we through. I don't even believe it. he initially set out to um, to produce a translation that would be purchased on mass. He was doing this for his children, and so that it would be more intelligible. And then over time, as he's as he's making his way through it, I think Nav Press is who owns it. Um, they they started to buy the copyrights to it and said, this is going to be beautiful when you finish it. And so yeah. that's how the message came about. I, I had a professor in grad school that would walk into a class and he would occasionally read out of the message. And I, I shared this in staff meeting. He did that in part. It was the 90s. Mm-hmm. And he, the message had just come out. And he did that in a sense to kind of combat, combat some of the bravado um, of those of us who knew Greek and who blah, 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 who considered it to be way beneath us. <laughs> and Dr. Lowry would kind of come in and he'd read the message and he'd be, I really love the way that's translated. And yet he wasn't arguing, this is what we should use. Now, we went back to the Greek text for that. Yeah. But he was saying, look at what this, what, look at what this is conveying. Mm-hmm. Because that's what's going on here in Revelation 4. And it's like, wow, okay, that, it really humbled me to be able to go in a direction that I might not even want us to use. But if you come to my office, I even have copies of the message available, and I give them out occasionally Yeah, because yeah. they're really helpful. One other thing um, about this particular chart, you see there's a top layer and a bottom layer. The top translation, so message, the Common English Bible, the Good News Translation, I believe, yeah. New International, Christian Standard, King James, and the Interleader, those are all translated directly from the Hebrew, some Aramaic, and Greek texts. The ones below, so this would be the Living Bible, New Living Translation, New Revised Standard, New King James, English Standard, New American Standard. Those are, uh, on the bottom side, they are translated, um, they begin with an existing English text. That's not to say that they are not consulting the Greek or not working with it, or the Greek and Hebrew at all, but they their starting place is to revise an English text. So that's where the ESV comes from. It's not on here. The well, the, it, it, yeah, it this, comes from that, yeah, and, which and, and, came from that. And the RSV, which would be probably more right here, which was then revised to the NRSV. No, see, RSV I think would be on the top. Yes. So ESV comes from RSV, King James, New King James. Yeah. NRSV is the the, for the development of the yeah, RSV. the NRSV would be probably if I had to put it somewhere would be up here. Yeah, in terms of where it is, somewhere around that particular line. Um, you know, and it's it's interesting because um, you can almost see the the almost if you were to have the dates on these, you can even see like yeah. in time why they're doing this. The Living Bible, you may know about it, is the LB, um, and that was actually translated by a dad, much like the Eugene Peterson scenario. It was translated by a dad from the King James version mm-hmm. by a commodities trader in Chicago, yeah. who every day as he would go on his commute would just sit down with the King James version of the Bible and write it out in uh, in a, a language his children would 
would understand. Yeah. And man, you can value that. And the NLT comes from that. Is from that. Yeah. So they're consulting this, but it's in honor of that. Yeah. This is on its own. Yeah. Right. This one here on its own. Yep. And that's what they're doing. And I, again, it's it's more of a matter of kind of getting where it's coming from and what it's trying to do. Yeah. Then this is better than this. I don't know. I don't know if it's better than that or not. Here is another. This is the one we're using. Going back. Go back to the last one again. The ESV is the one that we're using, <laughs> right? And it's on the other side of the line. Yeah. This is the other one. I use that one. It's on the other side of the line. Yeah. So it's not like this side of the line is better than that side of the no. line. No. But we need to know where 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 is it coming from. Yeah. When people say, I want the most, I don't understand the language, but I want the most literal word-for-word translation, I say, okay, NASB is close as you're going to get. Yep. Um, this is also a helpful little chart. Again, put together by this guy at the Global Bible Initiative at the behest of the the Christian Standard um, Bibles Publishing or Translation Committee. This is showing from easy to read to readable to hard to read, and then from dynamic to very literal to very formal. Um, you can kind of see where these guys fall. Now, this here, this is this is interesting because we had a conversation the other day, and one of our guys, Scott Irwin, was saying, yeah, I don't know if the CSB is that much easier to read. Yeah. So what, what you have over here are like readable scores and literal scores. What they're what they're doing there is they're looking more scientifically yeah. at it. They're looking at as, so, as linguists, not as Christians. Not as Christians. They're literally saying, okay, we're we're looking at the words that are used. What reading level are those words? Much like you would think about with your kids going to school, they have you know different vocabulary as yeah. as you get older, and and that's actually what's happening. Mm-hmm. So as translators are going, they're not just picking the most optimal word. They're going, okay, the optimal word for there would be propitiation, mm-hmm. but is there another way for us to explain propitiation? Yeah. So NIV, CSB, they translate that as atoning sacrifice because okay. they believe that's more intelligible. Okay. And and in the end, with either one, atoning sacrifice or propitiation. You still have to go back and say, okay, why? Yeah. And 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 deal with the, the whole wrath of God type question. But that's a theological issue, not a translation. Right. Issue. If I'm preaching Romans, is that 325? Three, yeah. If I'm preaching that, whether the word is propitiation or atoning sacrifice, I am going to pause to interpret that for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not on its own. Propitiation doesn't communicate everything that it needs to. Neither does atoning sacrifice because yep. it doesn't talk about substitutionary nature of it or the penal nature of it, you know. So there's in either case explanation is required. So these are the two things that we want you to be aware of. Um and by the way, this is great to even like as you're picking a bible for your kids, right? Yeah. I mean it's it, 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 it's it's fun to think about. That's why I love children's bibles that even have pictures of Abraham feeding his puppy. <laughs> because your kids too, and so that's yeah. kind of that'll help that'll help the conversation. Now, yeah. when he gets older, if your grown-up Bible still has Abraham feeding a puppy, you might want to get a new Bible. But I really like that because why? Because we want way easy to read, yeah, and we're not really worried so much about like how literal it is. Yeah, it's brutally brutally. Think about a children's Bible; it is so not being literal. Yeah, it is so being readable. In your in most of your printed Bibles, in the preface, there'll be a, a, a short note from the translation committee explaining how they did, what they did, why they did it, the way they did it. Um, you can actually go to these translation committees or publishing companies' websites and find extended documentation on their translation philosophy and every decision they're making and why. The New Living Translation is so readable because from the get-go, they said, we're going to write this Bible at a seventh grade reading level, seventh or eighth grade. I think it's seven. And so they, that that was why they chose to do things the way they did, and it 
it produces an easier to read Bible. It's a seventh grade reading level now. In four years, it'll be like a twelfth grade reading level. <laughs> but that's all for a whole when, other. When we AC, get the, that's a whole other podcast. When we get the we social a, media Bible, so we don't. don't <laughs> yeah, we don't need to go into some of the problems that we have with the education system. So notice the CSB is virtually as readable as the NIV and the New English Translation, which is that's that one wasn't up there on the other chart, but. Um, the Net Bible, which so, is famous for its footnotes. So think about, you know, how easy is the translation to read, mm -hmm. and think about how how formal is it, or literal? Yeah. How literal is it in terms of what it's trying to accomplish? And again, um, if you could pick the perfect Bible, the perfect Bible would be yeah right up here. But it's not going to happen. Actually, you've got to concede something. I mean, go back and think about it. When you're doing translation work, for those of you that speak Spanish and English. You're going to have to concede something. Yeah. Whenever you hear something in another language and you know, happen to know two languages, you kind of look at them and go, how do I say this? Yeah. Okay, well, probably the best way to say it is, well, is that literal? Well, no, it's really not literal. But it's probably, it conveys the meaning of it yeah. as best as, so you're always going to have that. I preached um, in Cyprus a few years ago with a translator, Turkish translator. So this is a lady who's lived in Turkey for 20 years. She's very fluent in Turkish, or lived in Cyprus for 20 years. Fluent in Turkish, fluent, but she's British, fluent in English. My stepmom, who's also fluent in English and Turkish, um, listened to me preach that sermon through this translator. And afterwards I said, how, how, did, how did it come across? She's listening to it in both languages. She said, she got about 70% of what you said across. Yeah. And I was like, oh. I was frustrated at the time, but the more I thought about it, the more I thought, I don't know if, if much better is really attainable, especially on the fly. Right? Sure. Well, and that's, that's, the, that's the problem that translators have. And I, I want to sympathetically just be grateful, thank the Lord, yeah. that he has been so kind to give us gifted translators who are doing this. Um, but I, I remember teaching about idioms. Mm -hmm. So just when we want word for, what is the real Greek word? For, I hear people say that. What's the Greek word for that? Yeah. Uh, you're, you're chasing something you probably don't want to chase. Yeah. And I remember my dad giving me a great example of this, um, that in French, there was this, I can't, I wish I remember the, the statement in French, but... If you were to translate it literally word for word, it was as you go up the stairs. Mm -hmm. So that's what it, what, okay, what do you mean as you go up the stairs? But it's trying to get across the concept of when you and I are in some kind of verbal sparring exchange, as soon as you walk away and you go, oh, you know what I should have said. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. See, I couldn't have caught that idiom in you English. couldn't have caught that idiom in English. And so to translate it literally is actually not going to be good. So when you even look at what is known as a concordance, which looks at every word that has been done in a in a translation, you will sometimes see not a word number, because every, every Greek word, every Hebrew word has a number then associated with it, and you can look it up in a dictionary. But you will actually see sometimes just the, the three letters, A-I-T, mm -hmm. which stands for assists in translation. Yeah. And they're going, yeah, there's no English word, or there's no Greek word corresponding to this English word, but we needed this English word to help explain what that Greek mm -hmm. word was, or Hebrew word was. Yeah. So, assistant translations, or you'll see this a lot, N-I-G, which stands for not in Greek, yeah. or N-I-H, not in Hebrew. Yeah. So, and translators do that unapologetically. We'll even probably go to this example in Revelation we were looking at, where they intentionally left out a... Greek word they chose not to translate it just <laughs> left it there and, and moved on in English and really changed the meaning of the text changed the meaning of the verse yeah yeah so that and that happens by the way and that's the good news is don't panic it's not like okay and this translation Jesus doesn't rise from the dead <laughs> no 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 that's not what it does so the good news is is yeah. that for those of you that are beginning to wonder and are already kind of in over your head so you know I 
I, I hope that's not happening. I yeah. hope you're able to follow what we're doing because that's our goal. Um, but the the key thing that we're trying to deal with is there are enough translations and there's an ability for people to go back. And if Ryan and Jim and Justin and Paul and Drew and Morgan and Scott and Drew and everybody dies, Zane, everybody dies. There's probably some more Drews in there too. Two more Drews, five Steves and an Alex. Um, if we all died, the truth is everybody would still be fine. God would bring in new people. They, yeah, they would has, know this. So. He has been managing this providentially for a couple of millennia. He's got it. <laughs> He's got it under control. And so even what happens in terms of readability, if you think about it, like this, if we were to go back in time. Was readable. Was up here. Yeah. And so what makes this fall? What makes it fall is that language is now not known. Yeah. So the word conduct in our so this is like in correlation to our audience mm -hmm. right so this this isn't some kind of a universal easy to read and hard to read no. it's like as we go through time and the words that we use just to google the, or, uh, the NASB will quickly start to plummet as will to. the new king james it like, has to all the of them are over the next 20 years those are going to fall out fall quickly fast. so will the ESV i believe and uh, and so as language that's that's in the translation notes i was reading through them. i don't know where i put them I have them on the screen somewhere, but uh, from the NIV, the 2011 committee, they said in 1984, we were trying to write a, a translation for what English was in North America in 1984. And in 2011, English has changed. It has evolved. And so we're, we're writing a translation for this, this era, this group. You know, if you can, um, you know, hit pause on this or whatever and just, or while, while we're talking, like just Google the definition of any word. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then if you look down on the bottom of that, it'll actually have like a usage timeline on how yeah. that word is being used and whether or not it's being used more or less, if it's on the increase, or if it's on the decrease, like that's just happens yeah. to all languages. So that's why it's important for yeah. us to be constantly moving forward. So anybody that wants to just freeze this in time, you can't do it. I know. I'm you, usually not a guy that's pro novelty, especially when it comes to things of the faith translations might be the exception yeah like newer is but even the niv 2011 they said in the in those 20 or 26 years or whatever between those two translations we found more manuscripts and now we're working from new like the the csb is working from the na28 instead of the na27 so they revised the greek text well and i'll tell you what what, what we get into so my dad love him to death right love i love my dad we all do yeah for those that know him and then some of those that know him, it's just kind of frustrating. But that's true for me. And you too. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, it's interesting. My dad would say to me sometimes, oh, I love this translation. And and my dad does not know Greek. He's not a pastor. Um, so, Dad, why do you love that? Oh, I just, I love how it's written. Okay. Like, what are you saying? Mm -hmm. Like, think about that. Like, for those of you that don't know Greek and you love a translation, think about what you just said. Yeah. You said, I love this word. I don't know if this is the right word. I don't know if this is what Paul wrote or what Moses wrote. I don't. I have no idea of that. I have no idea if it's communicating, like the eternal God-inspired word, yeah. but I love it. <laughs> okay, so you love your thoughts about a word in a text that yeah. may or may not be accurate. And by the way, I'm not even saying like my dad's bad for that. I'm going, no, me too. So... What would happen is if, 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 if Ryan and I or if we as a church, as a leadership, decided, man, we just love the ESV. We love it. We love what – basically what we're saying is we love what it is communicating to us about this word, which mm -hmm. isn't bad necessarily because yeah. we're also doing the accuracy piece, right? Right. We're dealing with the accuracy piece. But basically when someone says, I think this is more 
understandable or this speaks to me better. All they're doing is kind of like sticking themselves in, in a situation. Yeah. And saying, I like this or this word communicates this truth to me. And I'm, again, not bad, but that's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to say, okay, it's 2019. This is our audience. This is the text that we have. So we've got these Hebrew and Greek manuscripts. What do we give our people on Sunday? What's best to give them? And when, when right now, when you walk in Sunday morning, what you are, what you are holding in your hands, for those of us that bought the Acts version in the ESV, your, your decision that was made five years ago says, hey, we believe as a church that this is going to be the, the best thing right now that we can possibly use to understand this. Mm -hmm. And it's sometimes good to go back and revisit that question. Right. That's what we're dealing with. Yeah. So readability mm -hmm. and then literal. So which of these translations are the that's the terrible ones and we hope nobody ever reads? None of them. Exactly. And even when we say which is better, we would say better in what way? Yeah. Yeah. We still use this one in our kids' ministries. Yeah. And I still recommend it to... Um, new Christians often. Um, I like reading it. I actually, I I will always reference either that or the message as I'm preparing to preach or teach. Yeah. So I like that one too. I really don't like the New King James because it feels like it sucked all the funness out of the King James <laughs> and kept all the all the rigidity. Yeah. So yeah. it's like yeah. I, I could, yeah. that's the one I could do. You love the, I, you love the nostalgia. I and, do. And, and this goes back to a time and it helps you understand yeah, it that has time. a classical feel yeah, to it. Yeah. Yep. Um, up here, the one I read a lot devotionally, personally, is the New Revised Standard. I love it. And, par and part of that is because I have copies that have the Apocrypha in it, which is another qu another thing altogether. But they're, they're currently updating their translation. It's scheduled to come out in the next year or two. Okay. Um, so let's kind of turn the corner and let's show some comparisons in terms of what some people can see. Uh, so what, what does it look like when we throw up an ESV beside? So the three translations that we're looking at mm -hmm. um, are the ESV, the NIV 2011, the NIV 2011, and the Christian Standard and Bible. the Christian Standard Bible. So let's kind of look at some of those side by side by side. Let me make this big enough so that we can all see it. Um, this is my Bible software that will put translations next to each other. So I've set the ESV as the benchmark. Not that it is the benchmark, but just in this comparative study, it's comparing everything to it. And so when I go to John 1.1, 1, 1, it's showing 0% difference because the ESV doesn't disagree with itself. And then we have the Christian standard here in the middle, and it breaks it up in verse by verse. So in the first verse, the Christian standard, the NIV, and the ESV are 100% the same in John 1. 1. There's 0% difference. And as we move on, you can see... This is a good one here. So you have in the ESV, he was in the beginning with God. Yeah. And then these two other translations do the same thing, the ESB, the NIV and the CSB. He was with God in the beginning, which is probably what we would say. Yeah. Um, we would probably say he was with God in the beginning more than he was in the beginning with God. Yeah, so it's taking a, this is still holding on to some of its King James heritage in terms of retaining the Greek word order. This is looking at contemporary English usage and, and allowing the word order to be flexible without, without trying Changing to destroy the meaning. The meaning. Yeah, and so, so, and that's good to realize. Like this, in, it literally is, this is, to the, for the most part, in the order that the Greek has it. Correct. It has this phrase before this phrase. Correct. You know, and they're going, I know it does, but since it's all the same thing, we think we would say this more naturally 
then we would say this. Yes. So anywhere you see an orange word over here in these right two columns, that's in some way either a different word or a different word order than the ESV. Yeah. So then let's go down to verse 3, take a look at this. So notice... The, e, the, NA, the ESV, again, is kind of the, the standard. All things were made through him, and without him, see, this is, I mean, I had to stop and do that. <laughs> All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Correct. I believe uh, that. I mean, I did. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and I, I get it. Like, I, I really do. But I, you could kind of catch me, catch myself, mm-hmm. not going, I don't usually talk like this. I would probably something say something more like all things were created through him and apart from him not one thing even that's a little odd for me yeah. not one thing was created that has been created see I think the NIV is the smoothest which actually they're always try, they're usually they're trying to be they're trying to be <laughs> oddly enough though with a with a, a smaller difference but even some of these percentages are they're not as important as you think but so through him all things were made and then kind of a hard stop without him Nothing was made that has been made. So I like the nothing there more than the not one thing. Yeah. Um, but I like the created and created, um, although it's made there. Well, yeah, because made and created, poyo in the Greek is kind of the same idea. Yeah. So if, if we're talking about something being made, yeah, the, 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 the CSB is trying to get to the created element. It's yeah. trying to draw back to the Genesis um, one. To the Genesis one. Which is what John what John's prologue is doing, and the CSB translators, I think, are making a theological decision to go with created over made. Yeah. To to draw allusions back to the text that in the Greek, John is clearly drawing allusions back to, to Genesis one. And if you were to go back and look at it in the dictionary, it would say puyo. Yes. Made or created. Yes. Like it, so it's either one. Yep. Right? We would use that. But sometimes when we think about making things, we usually think about making things. Assembling them. Assembling them from that which was. Yeah. And creating something seems to be from scratch. Yeah. So that's what they're actually trying to do. So that's kind of neat. So do you see kind of how that lines up, everybody? It's it's It really helps us understand kind of what's going on. Yeah. Any other? Well, let's, let's look at some... Um of the more famous text. So we talked about Romans 3. So here's a big one. And a lot of people really uh, want to talk about... So when you see 53% difference, it doesn't mean it disagrees with it. No. It's saying it's changing something. It's literally, this is just a, uh, a mathematical formula in terms of how the words and the word order is different. Yeah, okay. so... This is the famous passage talking about Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood. And that's the big thing that a lot of um, pro-ESV, anti-more dynamic translation folk will look at that and say, we've got to keep that word. That is such a critical word. And, and you've been there before. I I was there yeah. when okay. we went to the ESV. Okay. I was I was there when the CSB first came out. And uh, and actually Scott was talking about how much he, he was liking this, which now he's kind of jumping off that wagon a little bit but i said that communicates more than than what they do is they god presented him as an atoning sacrifice in his blood and i told scott on monday because he he reminded me that i I took like a hard line on that (laughs) and i told him i think i was wrong i think they both communicate some and neither neither translation communicates everything that that needs to be there sure and uh, and i think i had to back off on that because for one propitiation is not a greek word so that word is not inspired. Yeah, um, is it hilasterion? Yeah, hilasterion. And so, which uh, is not hilarious. It is not hilarious. It's, uh, that just that's just uh, 
That's a. It's actually called a, a word fallacy. Is when we kind of think we notice a connection that doesn't really exist. Um, and, and so, which of these does the better job? I, I would say to your everyday person, um, and even to like to to those that can work with the languages. I, th- I think atoning sacrifice says something um, clearer than propitiation. Sure, or sacrifice of atonement. Yeah. You know, and so you will see some things where do you like the word through or in or his or um, uh, I, I like this. This this actually here is you don't even have this was to show. And then they decide to use the word demonstrate as well as the NIV. Mm-hmm. So show versus demonstrate and forbearance versus restraint. Yes. In his forbearance, which is, again, a word we don't really use, but mm-hmm. restraint, we, we, we would definitely get that. What is this word here? Forbearance. Forbearance. So they. So that's what's interesting, right? The NIV, which is trying to be far more um, uh, kind of like reader friendly, then they go back to a word like forbearance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so there was some some group of scholars going, I really like forbearance on this. Yeah. Like well, that's how it happened. Passing over former sins, passing over sins previously committed, but it's still passing over over here. He left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. So that's that's now they're starting to get more dynamic in how yeah. they translate it. Yep. Yep. And and I, what I so yeah, that's a great one there. Passed over, yeah, versus which would be more of a kind of a literal. That's what the word is. Left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. Mm-hmm. See how that, there's a whole lot more there that's actually being done. Yeah. Um, what Can I you pull this up in Greek real quick. What I have found in um, in the couple of months that I've been working with the CSB and the NIV and the ESV together is that the CSB really is in many ways yeah. striking a middle ground between the, the, the hard translation of the ESV and the sometimes looser translation of the NIV. Yeah. See, it's, yep. That's interesting. It's, it's definitely more the, what, the ESV way of looking at it. Yeah. So, um, passed over. So, yep. Any well, let's let's not just show where this makes it easier. Let's actually look at where it, where it actually gets it wrong. Where so we didn't like it. Where we didn't like it. So, yeah. Ro- Re- what was it? Revel- Revelation Revelation what? twenty uh, versus uh, it's it's four through six is where they get it wrong. I think it's in verse four where they get kind of sideways on it. This is really interesting here. I and I I found this when I was doing some study. Uh, this is one of my favorite texts uh, describing. God's power uh, through his people. It's the, it, there's a weird and here. Um, and I, I, this is the part that I think is rather funny. So you actually have, so I'll do a little, bit of, a little bit of Bible teaching here. You actually have in Revelation 20 the picture of the souls under the throne, if we're going to be just very clear without any kind of interpretive, the souls under the throne um, who are reigning with God. Mm-hmm. Now, when and where, I'll leave that up for another 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 thing. But but what are the groups of people or the group of people and how are they described? Mm-hmm. And so it says here in the ESV, I, I also saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God and those who had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or hands. Seems like two groups of people. Seems like two groups of people with the use of the word and. I saw those who'd been martyred. And I saw those who had not worshipped but died faithful. Mm-hmm. Is kind of how it goes. 
the NIV, I'll jump down here. It's interesting that, where's verse 4 start? Uh, and, uh, and I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God, period. They had not, so this they would then refer back to that, the, the martyrs. To those souls. These ones here. They had not worshipped the beast or its image and not received the mark on its head. One group of people. One group of people. The CSB. Same thing. Um, I also saw the souls of those who'd been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God, who, referring back to the they, who had not worshipped the beast or his image or had not accepted the mark on their forehead. So you definitely have a couple of words here, accepted versus received, which mm-hmm. you, you and I had this conversation yesterday. I really like this yeah, because it, it, it's kind of describing to receive or to accept. I don't know how you would argue like which one is better um, just kind of generically, but the the book is is the book of Revelation. The concept, I, I think, the concept that we might have of receiving is almost like passive. Passive. Yeah, it happens. Whereas to you. accepting is more of a formal. And, and I really think in our mindset. Now, again, that's it, it could be either. Sure. But to accept seems something or to receive more something, more an act of the will or seems volition. to be. Yeah. As Ryan and Jim were talking back and forth, in our heads, it seems to be that way. You might disagree with us. I don't, there's not a right or wrong on that one. But going back to it, it's very interesting. And those, and then these just have this group yeah. who had not received it, describes the, it's the same group. Yeah. One group, two group, one group, one group. And then when you go back to the Greek, this is what's very interesting. When you look at the Greek of Revelation, I saw the thrones, people seated on them, who were given authority to judge. I also saw the souls who had been beheaded because of the testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or its image. And then here's this very interesting Greek word. And those who. Mm-hmm. So grammatically, this is a part I've never understood. How can you like completely skip over an and? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, it's this and one, the ones being. One. Oh, sorry. And those it, who. Yeah, so and the one being. In like, the CSB version that I have here, where they choose not to translate a Greek word, they put a dot there in the interlinear. So yep. we have the Greek text here. The English text is running in order above. They say, oh, there's a chi. There's the Greek word for and, but we chose not to translate it, so they put that dot to indicate that it was not put in the English translation. See, and what's really interesting is, is particularly with this word here, when you have the Greek, these two side by side, it literally means and the ones. Mm-hmm. Like it's and the ones who mm-hmm. is how you would actually kind of more formally translate it. And the ones who, whereas here, sometimes and is just describing, you know, two two nouns with a conjunction, yeah. right? Um and it's funny how here, I, I don't understand it. I really don't. CSB, NIV, I don't care who does it. I don't get how you get that. Unless you've got a theological um, conclusion yeah. that you're putting into your translation, which always happens, so I'm fine with it sure. in, the, in the end. But um, whatever, unless I'm in the ESV, and the NASB does this, does does it the right way as well. And then the ESV and the NIV, or the sorry, the CSB and the NIV, um, uh, and again, you can still try to figure it out in terms yeah. of what the what the meaning of it is going to be. But this is kind of a great instance of how reading something can put you in the wrong direction yeah. unintentionally mm-hmm. if you don't know the original languages. I have one more interesting example to compare. It's in Psalm twenty three. I think it's verse six. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember this one here. Where is... 
You know, I don't feel like comfort me. No, no keep going. Keep going. Six. Yep. Okay. So, surely goodness and mercy shall follow uh, me all these days. This word for mercy is hesed, which is much better. I'm not, I'm not saying he's not merciful, but it's much better. Hesed is much better rendered God's faithful or covenantal love. Yeah. And so, so if you could pick it, you're probably for you, you would say covenantal because that strong covenant idea is chesed in the Hebrew. Um, it's, mm-hmm. it's referring back to the covenantal ongoing. Yeah. And I would even say this, ongoing mercy that God shows us because of his love, mm-hmm. right? So you would add that word. Yes. But in the end, you would say even better than love. Yes. Surely your love. I'll take faithful love. I'll take love over mercy in terms of translating hesed. Yeah. I'll take faithful love over love for hesed. And I would like, if they had asked my opinion, they did not, for that to be covenantal love. Because yeah. I think that it it does a better job of, of actually grappling with the word that's being used there. So when someone is preaching at Sunnybrook, if we're, if we're doing our work, um, and we won't be able to do it to every word in every text, we're going to walk you through that. Oh, yeah. Right? Like we're going to want, when we see that... Um, if we're going to preach Psalm 23 10 times, hopefully six of those times, we're going to underline that word. We're going to draw attention to it. Mm-hmm. And we can do that from any of these translations. Yes. Right? So we don't need to go to the CSB to get it. Mm-hmm. No, we can get it. But yeah. this helps our people have a deeper understanding so that when, if I had the CSB, if our people had the CSB and I was teaching it, I would talk about the the covenantal love, the, the, the faithful love of God. Yes. And they would go, oh, that's what he meant by mercy? Okay, because I remember it from the King James Version being mercy. Yes. But this actually would be a better translation. Yeah. So uh, I, I hope that what we've seen here is that none of these is perfect. They're all, they all have value. And... Um, I, I don't know. I'm I, 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 I'm wondering if we're nearing a time where this would be what something in this range. And again, it seems like CSB is often kind of towing a, a little bit of a mediating yeah. line between yep. ESV and NIV. If something in this range would be um, a useful uh, translation for us to adopt in preaching and teaching. Again, I don't know. I don't yeah. know what the answer is. Yeah. But I'm, you're not I'm, making the final decision. But no. right now, your vote would be what? CSB. Okay. And I think that's where I'm at. I mean, the more that I look at it, I bought a, I bought a, uh, actually I had one a long time ago and then I bought another one. I've lost it right now. So if anybody has a really nice black leather goatskin, goatskin CSB with no name in it, it might be mine. I'd love to get it. I'll give you 50 bucks if you get it back to me. So what are what are going to be some objections to us uh, if we want I already, to? I already, I changed translations when you told us to go to the ESV. Yeah. What would you say? I would say then keep it. Like... I, again, I've been kind of thinking through this for a couple of months now, so I haven't taken an ESV into one of our worship services since that time. I've actually enjoyed preaching with the ESV on the screen and me reading it in the CSB out there. I picked up a lot of things in the text that I wouldn't have noticed had I just been reading that one English Standard Translation. Um, in fact, I found, I found it so interesting how many times you've paused to explain a word, phrase, or idiom in the ESV, <laughs> and it's verbatim what's written in my CSB right here. It's like, <laughs> um, which, we, you know, when, if we preach from the CSB, we'll probably still pause to, sure. to kind of explain, and it sure. might start sounding ESV-ish, you know. But if you're saying, oh, I just bought this other Bible, or, you know, I, if I were to if I were to give my recommendation, if we if we do adopt a change, and you've spent a lot of time memorizing in the ESV, keep it up. I would say go for it. 
um, and you're and you're not going to be at a disadvantage. You're not going to be lost reading along with us if we were preaching out of the CSB or NIV. I think that sounds great. I also think that buying a new Bible um, from time to time is a valuable way to to continue to kind of stoke your interest in the scriptures and to buy a new translation is a great way to give you sure. a way of seeing these scriptures in something of a new light. I buy, my wife thinks I have a problem, I buy many Bibles a year, often in multiple translations. I have just bookshelves of them. Yeah. And, uh, and all, part of that is because I like them. Part of that is because I love new designs of Bibles. And if you and part were teaching, of it is, if I give it away. If you were somewhere else, right? Not even in ministry, you'd, you'd do the same thing. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like my, my dad wasn't even in ministry, and, and I can't tell. We had a row of Bibles of all these different translations growing up. Yeah. Because my dad recognized the value of it. Got it wrong a lot, but but has a bad <laughs> value for it. Even like when I go and preach or teach somewhere else, my first question to them is, "What translation do you want me to use?" And they can say almost anything on any of these lists. I'm like, okay, I can do that. Yeah. Like, I, I don't have yeah. to go with an this You don't have an axe to grind. No. I'm, I, in I, fact, I'm usually pretty excited when it's something else, because now I'm going to study a little differently. And so I love going and preaching out of the old NIV or, you know, whatever. The the um, the Holman Christian Standard was one of them one time. And I had never really spent a lot of time with that Bible, so it was fun to to go pick one up and kind of study through it preparing for this lesson and i just don't like change well time is a thing so you're just <laughs> gonna have to deal with that yeah. i mean yeah that's a good point um you know one of the things i brought up in our staff meeting uh is that as one of the issues for doing this okay now we're not just doing it for this sake but one of the benefits that is an unnoticed benefits uh, benefit is that years ago in the 70s and 80s, there was a battle that went over this. Like, it was as serious as a lot of the worship wars. Quite divisive. It was very divisive. And and you can even still go online and read venomous attacks that were, are almost unfounded in most regards oh, about translations. There are entire YouTube channels dedicated to if you're, you're a heretic, if you're not still preaching out of the King James Version, you're leading your people astray. Leading your people astray, and, and which is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And by the way, I would say if you're using the King James Version, you're not leading people astray. Like, take the take the venom out. Mm-hmm. And so one of the reasons why I'm glad that we're doing this is not only, like you said, it, it, can, it can bring some beautiful fresh air. Um, it becomes a way to love the Word of God more than a translation. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to die on the hill for the NIV or the NLT or the ESV or the CSB. Mm-hmm. I'll die for the Word of God, but I'm not going to die on a translation of it. This is the one I'm using now, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what we're talking about. And I think that that doing that, keeping a moving target, keeps people from loving inappropriately certain things. Yeah. So even with the worship wars, I had people say, like, it really concerns me that nobody will be able to know the words to a, a hymn that they loved, right? No, but it's interesting. The classics make it through. Yeah. Right? Like Everyone a, a mighty fort- amazing grace. Amazing grace, a mighty fortress is our God. And, you know, Steve, you know this. Um, the the great worship bands of today go back and they, they go, yeah, that is a cl-. They recognize it. Yeah. That is David a classic. David Crowder will do oh four thousand tongues of sea. He will do it. Yeah. Okay? And then the, the other ones that, are, that aren't classics need to 
maybe go away. And some of our worship songs today, Steve, wouldn't you say that? Yeah. They need to go away. Like it's they, they short served, shelf life is good short, sometimes. It is. It can be very, very good. So when you look at that mentality, but I, I had somebody say to me one time, it really concerns me that Christians, and I think they'll be less for it, do not know this particular song. And I don't care which one you pick, but this person was telling me and it was a hymn that they were really concerned about. And I said, Do you think Paul was less for not having it? <laughs> Like I wasn't trying to be a smart aleck, but was Paul less for not having it? Was Chrysostom less for not Augustine, having it? Augustine, Luther, Was Augustine Calvin. less for not having it? And well, no. Okay, well then we'll be fine on the other end. Like Christianity did not start with the Wesley <laughs> <God>. brothers. <laughs> and again, I love I love what they're doing, but do you see how there can be something wrong headed in that? Yes, but I, I'll and even, it happens in translations. I'll even I'll even you know sympathize with them and say I don't think they're intentionally being that no. way, but. Sometimes we had kind of have to pull the dust off this and say, okay, really? Yes. It, it did not begin with Charles Wesley. And it helps us understand how to value people, but do not lift them up. Yeah. In a, in a more, and we don't think we're doing it, but in a way, it's an idolatrous thing. If I need the, the language to sound like this in order to connect with God, yeah, I need it. Not it, you know, not it can assist or not that, but no, I need it. And so unless you read to me in the King James, I don't think I've really been preached to then you've got a problem. Yeah. Um if you need this song or if you need and I don't care I don't care if it's a guitar. Now nowadays we're going to we'll do with the new generation. If I don't have drums and a guitar, then I really cannot worship. Okay, then you've got a problem. Yeah. You've got a problem. We'll soon head into the time where if I don't have electronic digital music, then are you really even trying? What's with that guitar? That's mechanical, you know? <laughs> and so and, and what we're saying is it's that same thing, and there really can be some value in changing it up, mm-hmm. not for the sake of novelty, but for the sake of remembering what is valued the most. Yeah. And it is the, it is the, um, it is the original word of God, which I trust, not the King James, not the NIV, not the CSB, not the ESV. It is the word of God that I love. Yeah. And these help me get to it. Yeah. So this 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 podcast, longer, more visual than usual, really points back to what you know you and me and Justin and Anthony went through in those two podcasts. We love the Word of God, mm-hmm. and that's what we're trying to get people to fall in love with. That's why we're leaning in this direction. Um, would love to hear your feedback on it. Yeah. Um, as I said, the staff are talking about it. We're discussing it. Um, a decision has not been made. Um, we're going to be begin to even to publish and present like articles mm-hmm. um, that others have written, and it'd probably be good for us to write one ourselves. Uh, really speaking to our people in terms of why we want you to do this. Yeah. Um, you know, in my in my life group, we were having this conversation the other day, and I asked, and it was funny. I turned to one one of our people in our life group, and I I asked her what she wanted. She said, "I'd love to change to the CSB," and then she said, "Because I'm still using the NLT." <laughs> Because <laughs> it's more readable, Ashley yeah. said this. I'm, I'm I'm using this, and it because it's more readable. And you know, if what you're telling me is true that the CSB is more readable, I'll probably get one of those. I never got the NI, yeah. the ESV. And, well, I'll tell you. I thought that even was funny. thinking about Ashley, and you know, she's doing some some classes at Ozark, right? Yeah. So she's probably still having to work with the ESV. She's probably actually <laughs> already managing yeah. multiple yeah. translations, yeah. which yeah. I think is wonderful. Patty Broadway never really went with the ESV. She has this, like, we're going to have to have it enshrined when, yeah. when yeah. Steve and Patty pass one of the one most day. written in Bibles I've ever seen. It's, it's NIV, Patty. I assume. And, and like, she's not giving that up and I don't want her to, I would, I would be kind of depressed if I saw her with this very, you know, 
clean Bible all of a sudden. And she's she has taken that NIV through our NLT years and our ESV years and whatever it might be going forward. And I don't think that she has been um, at a disadvantage necessarily at all. But what, what you know, here's what would be awesome, and I can see Patty doing this. You give that Bible to your granddaughter. Oh, yeah. Right? And you say, sweetheart, this is the Word of God. Yeah. And these are my thoughts written down. I want you to have it. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm doing it again. I'm kind of coming in. I can see Patty so with her love for her grandkids, her love for the Word of God, even seeing it. And so I would even challenge you to kind of see the notes and the things that you're writing and don't become angry. Like, let it become a gift. Yeah. You know, like here that are can all be, my thoughts here, are three all pounds of duct tape. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, honestly, that's the part that I love. And if we ever love anything more than God, um, his uh, the triune God mm-hmm. um, and his plan of salvation is described in Scripture. And if we ever get caught um, uh, by by something that helped us with that and we begin to replace the help or replace the object with the help, then we, we've got it wrong. Yeah. And so that's where we're coming from. So, um, hope this has been helpful. We're serious about the feedback. Like, we need it. (laughs) (laughs) No, it would be helpful. But, I mean, honestly, the other part of it is is that, again, as we have this conversation and you have feedback, hear me, I I, I get what you're saying when you say to my dad, but I just love this translation. But then we're going to say, why? And let's have an honest. And we'll come sit here with Steve yes. Jobs. We're not being yeah. We're not being like smart Alex about it. We're really yeah. wanting to say, okay, help us understand why what you're saying is beneficial for the body of Christ as we're understanding the text. Not, I really love this word. Yeah, we're 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 not doing this in an emotional way. We're doing we're taking a, something of a scientific approach to it that um, can seem sterile, but it, I hope it also communicates our our trust in the in the, the goodness of the word of god such that we would take this this seriously. Yeah. So, hope this has been both a challenge and a blessing. Uh it's been definitely a lot longer. Maybe you'll have to watch it twice. Um in which case I'll buy you lunch. Oh yeah, and then we'll talk bring your bibles. We'll bring talk your bibles. We'll talk about it. And and you know what wait 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 wait. Okay, Steve, can I just go a little bit longer? <laughs> We've jumped the shark, right? No, but here's the here's another thing. Man, I I can't afford another Bible. Come, please come see me. I I'll figure it out. Okay, I would say this. I would say really, like, because when I said <laughs> you want to go to lunch, you said yes, and you'll spend about the same amount on that lunch. Yeah, as you will in a Bible. So that's probably not the case. But if it is the case, like literally, we give out Bibles like crazy. They'll be in the pews. You can get one. Yeah. Um. And so and if a, it, a lot of you just have to download that next app. <laughs> Yes, no, honestly, and that's another thing that makes it really easy for us to do this is that the majority of our reading is going to be happening in, on the screen. In, in new version. And CSB has its own standalone Bible app, which I've been I've been playing around with. It's pretty good. The decision has not been made. Ryan and I have been honest about our convictions. Be praying for us as a leadership mm-hmm. as we move forward, staff and elders kind of thinking this through. Um, like we won't do anything. Probably even this year, we'll probably maybe hit 29, uh, 2020. Wow. Yeah. We'll hit, tw- I almost said 2018. I was like way off. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know that a lot of you are really working through your your little Axe um, ESV notebooks, and uh, and we think that's awesome. We want to honor that. So I can't imagine we would change no, yeah. before we finish Axe. We won't, we won't do that. But it might be a good idea to kind of think about the new year. Yeah. So we're just trying to give you a heads up. We want you to kind of think along, pray along with us. We love you guys. It is a privilege uh, to serve you and to teach you um, and to be to and to learn from you. 
And so please speak to us. Um, feedback is huge. Mm-hmm. Have a great uh, week, month. End of July. End of July ish. We love you. <laughs> <laughs>